Welcome to Grad Chat by PhD Balance, where we talk about topics beyond the day-to-day -day and that may be a little bit more difficult to talk about. I'm your host, Linda Corcoran, and I'm a master's student in Ireland. And um, today I'm joined by an awesome guest, Bennett Collins. Um, so Bennett is a fourth year international relations student at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. And uh, he also co-founded a small education think tank. And um, today we are here to talk about finding balance between your PhD and other life commitments, which is a big topic, but we're going to talk about Bennett's perspective. So welcome Bennett. Thank you so much for being our guest today. And um, do you want to introduce yourself a bit better than I just did? <laughs> No, I, I think that introduction was just fine. It's just like, welcome to my TED talk. <laughs> like, I just kind of feel like saying that. <laughs> but this is not a TED talk as if I know balance. <laughs> but here we go. <laughs> awesome. So I guess, um, very hard question to start with. Yeah. But what does balance mean to you? <laughs> Ooh. Um, uh, I, well, we just talked about uh, before the call. Uh, I think I think balance can be associated with a certain wellness movement, um, kind of like you need to be okay to keep going on the grind. And I think balance for me is um, is is living, not surviving. And um, to me, that means like the scale is more balanced to uh, making sure you're okay than making sure everyone else slash your work is okay. Um, and so it's kind of like an imbalance, I guess, that I think, I, I mean, I'm going, I'll preface this, I'm going to speak on behalf of myself. I am not proselytizing anything. Um, I have somewhat of a Quaker background and we're all about like testimony um, and speaking on behalf of yourself and not others. So I guess anyone out there who finds anything I say helpful, that's cool. But I also recognize like everyone just will has their own path to walk. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. No, I think yeah. um, balance to everyone can mean something different, and it looks different depending on everything that you have in your life. Um, I think. One thing um, that I guess the founder of PhD Balance, Susanna, says is that she describes balance as a marble on a tray. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it tips one way and sometimes it tips the other way. But your balance is to try and not let that marble fall. Um, mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. but you have a lot going on in your life, not just with, well, any PhD students. Life is busy. <laughs> Mm -hmm. But especially when we talk about the last year, uh, we've had COVID. You are mm -hmm. currently um, in the US. So mm -hmm. how have you managed all that? Is there anything in particular that you want to talk about, I guess, with that experience? Um, sure. I, I can just kind of talk about what it's been like for me. Um, maybe make someone out there feel like validated or anything positive somehow. But 
Um, I think I think for anyone that's been doing academia in the in the realm of COVID, like, damn, like you're doing well. I think we're all doing really well. Like I think I think like the fact that we're still here is like really a testament that um, I don't know. Uh, it's not like devotion to work. It's it's like fortitude. It's it's endurance. Um, but it's also exposed to like a dark side of academia for me um, in terms of how difficult it has been to maintain balance, so to speak, uh, in the midst of like global, global shift, like a massive global shift. Uh, you know, I, I, so I have my PhD on at the moment. I'm also co-running a think tank, an education think tank, and um, also teaching and, and also like have family duties and responsibilities, which really took up so much time while I've been visiting home. Um, and at one point I was also then like uh, a student warden for a student resident back at my university. And so I was like running essentially what felt like four jobs um, plus family and friend duties uh, on the side while also like kind of watching what feels like the world burning around us. But I'm also like, uh, I guess a lot of my research is tapped in into why it's being framed that way. And then I tried to, that's been kind of helpful that like when you're researching like why the world burning is kind of not, it's not the case, but it, you know, can appear to be the case that it's kind of like validating, like the world isn't going to end tomorrow. Um, but at the same time, the heightened anxiety of it all uh, and stress has been incredibly overwhelming and debilitating at times. And um, it has like very much tapped into an empathy around, um, you know, what, other people have going back and like going on in their, their home countries that we're just not tapped into either. Um, you know, the, I think the, like the insurrection in the U S for example, it was kind of like watching like uh, a mini coup, like happen live stream. I remember like I was doing PhD work while I was looking at that. And then also like filling out like some sort of COVID form and I'm like, what a life. Um, but then I, but then I'm like, well, to be honest, this is many people's normal um, in a lot of ways that I think like the those of us in the West have the resources to kind of not feel it or to like, you know, pay attention to it and then go back to what we were doing before and like act like life is fine. Um, and then so in a, in a sense, like I think COVID, COVID for me has been an awakening too. Um, I think uh, though, like going back to like the darkness of academia, I think something that something that I really took away from the experience, like I started my PhD actually in 2018, and actually a mentor a mentor of mine like passed away like immediately. Like I came to I came to start my PhD and like uh, at university, and then immediately my mentor passes away, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> and. It was kind of like a bit of a canary in the coal mine as to what I was getting myself into and what other people might find in academia is that 
um, there was no really public mourning process for him. Um, in fact, like his office was open for students to take books from like at one point. And it just like, it was so, it was so sad to see like where this, where this institution where we're supposed to be like studying such an array of different things of like the human condition and the physical world we live in and the philosophical one and, and the emotional one. And we didn't kind of have it in ourselves to kind of bring our work kind of to the forefront and be like, yeah, we need to mourn. We need to like respect our own human condition. And in a sense, like COVID has kind of done this to us too. It's kind of like now like this collective mourning moving forward um of what we've kind of all lost kind of through this because I think that none of us I think about my students a lot uh, like you know um they just haven't had a normal university experience like like I had during my undergraduate or you know normal um and and they're kind of getting some semblance of it now but it's kind of like there's kind of a life gone now and now we're shifting to a new one and I think there's kind of like an internal struggle amongst all of us as to like, do we want to fight for a better world or are we just trying to survive right now? And and some of, and you know what, like, I think it's privileged to even say like, oh, fight, you have to fight for a better one. Like, I think some people just can't. And I think some people are really just trying to trudge through. And I've been there and yeah, I don't know. I, I think I've been trying to, ever since COVID happened, I think, what balance has meant for me is is really um, claiming space uh, for myself and for those around me who can't claim space. And you know, this kind of like um, kind of comes to fruition in in the form of like demanding compensation for work. I think academia is like really notorious for allowing work to go unpaid for. Um, these are all our own unique thoughts and the unique thoughts of my peers. It's like, they need to be paid. I need to be paid. I need to make a living. Um, and it's just, uh, I think like that's where Generation Z also has like really inspired me and my students inspire me because they have like zero BS for kind of these really toxic workplace practices. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, like kind of like supporting what we kind of like, I feel like what millennials have kind of tried to get at. And then, I don't know. Anyway, now I'm rambling. It's totally good. I think um, yeah. it's very important to, I guess, it's unfortunately the attitude academia has. It's sort of like everything needs to be about this research. We can't be people. But research, even though they say it was, it was never done like that. There's always mm -hmm. personal influence. <laughs> There's always the person, and even if it likes to ignore it, they are there, and they do mm -hmm. need to be recognized. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, the whole reason that they're not recognizing it is why we're in a grad student and academic mental health crisis. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, uh, there is... You said so much there. I, I don't even know where <laughs> yeah, to start. Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Didn't really give you like a window. <laughs> but yeah, no. So you were, you started COVID in the US. Um, so 
uh, I actually started COVID uh, in, in Scotland just as I moved to uh, a more rural location um, so that I could have some separation from work. So I wasn't like living actually within the university town, but also like, you know, separate from it. And <laughs> what a decision that was just at the break of COVID. <laughs> so like more isolation to deal with So. Yeah, that can be um, very tough. Um, I guess I know mm. myself when COVID hit, I felt very isolated. And what I did was I pretty much lost any semblance of boundaries I had with work. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also so many other things happened with COVID. And as you said, you had so many different jobs that you were juggling. Mm which is very difficult. Mm. Um, I think, I think it's really easy to, um, you know, that, that has happened with me so many times, like uh, the loss of habit. Um, and, and I think the internal voice, a lot of, of a lot of us in academia is to be very brutal and to be like, very, like, uh, very, what am I trying to say? Um, just very, I guess, like cutthroat with ourselves, um, creating images of, of like, or, or kind of personas, or maybe I'm projecting right now, but creating personas of, of what the academic is supposed to be, or like what we're supposed to be like. Um, you know, working eight, working eight hours a day, for example, is something I'm actually unlearning um, at the moment as, as a work habit. Uh, I find like the eight hour old day grind when, I mean, particularly we're not being paid for it. Like, I think, I think that's, that's the problem. A, a big problem I have, like a, a kind of foundational one is like, you know, sitting in, in graduate student talks where people are like, oh yeah, like just like treat it like an eight hour a day job. I'm like eight hours a day that you're not paid for, that you're like, you are sitting in front of a computer all day thinking about perhaps very dense subject matter. And like the, that emotional labor carries forward into the rest of the day. I actually can consider that a lot of the work of academia comes from being in like, uh, I forgot where I read it, which is bad um, for accreditation purposes, but uh, being in default mode is just like one of the most quintessential like, like states of being in, in like being an, an academic, being where your work kind of comes into the everyday or, and when you're not expecting it. And then beginning to kind of analyze that, like in, in this kind of like micro work setting in your head or, or something is, is still part of being an academic for me. And I think like, I'm not going to measure myself by how long I'm in front of a computer. Like, I think that's silly. I, I've had some of my best ideas walking my dog or walking the family dog rather. Um, he was right here. Props already like got me through a lot. It's like he's like I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think like that has been part of finding balance for me is recognizing that 
enjoying life while doing the PhD can also be, you can, if it's important to, to categorize it as work, can also be considered work. Um, if it means like getting into that default mode of like, and having those aha moments that are just like also very important too, so. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think um, pets, especially, are vital <laughs> for mental health support. Oh my God. They they are the best. Um, I have a cat and a dog, and I don't know where I'd be without them. But um, totally. yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's very much. Um, I guess grad students, depending on where you are in the world, they can look very different. But hmm. they're usually juggling so many different things. TAing or teaching their actual research some of them take on part-time jobs they can yeah. also be um resident assistants wardens um mm-hmm. they can do things like taking up extra research for different PIs that's on top of their own research part-time jobs mm-hmm. on campus mentoring and that's that's usually not paid and other unpaid work um mm-hmm. DEI work it's the list is unending yeah um, yeah and it all just compiles and suddenly you're working eight hours a day then it's 10 hours then it's 12 hours and you're doing nothing else because everything else is creeping in and you're not counting all this extra work as work and suddenly mm-hmm. you're just getting up going to work and then going home and going to bed and that's that's not healthy <laughs> No, I yeah, and I I struggle with the like the do something do something that isn't work like or sorry like uh find a job that isn't work that kind of thing and and I think academia kind of tricks a lot of us into thinking like oh like our subject that we're studying is like we enjoy it and like well some of us do. <laughs> some of us don't uh, and then we're kind of like reframing that somehow it's still it's still living and I think it would be unfair to say that it isn't I think that that would be unfair I think you know what like if I all the lessons that I have learned from my own reading and my own work um, for my PhD it's been such like a I don't know. It's been such a personal journey for me. And thinking back also about what I've already said too, I I can kind of see where I've been like slightly preachy. I I think I really need to emphasize that I am coming from the perspective of a social science student and I have no idea what the physical, like how it is for the physical sciences. I have watched like roommates, you know, go to the lab every day, um, jealously like during COVID, like they got to like (laughs) see their lab mates during the day I'm like oh I want people (laughs) Uh, so I think I am I need to underline I am coming from the perspective of a social science PhD but um anyway I don't know where I was but there we are no that's totally okay I think um with the amount of of science PhD students it tends to be well STEM PhD tends to be slightly favored towards them we don't really hear from 
from other people, usually we hear, oh, we have lab work, we have this. And then when people ask, you know, what do <clears throat> non-STEM PhD students do? And they're like, mm-hmm. um... <laughs> <laughs> sit alone, <laughs> sit alone in a cafe somewhere if it's open. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, real talk. <laughs> uh yeah I think for me I've been um I am I, I am on scholarship for my PhD and uh at the same time I've needed needed to make a living um you know bills need to be paid at the end of the day and you know probably not the first time said on this show uh, uh finding the balance to be like PhD work will get done, but I also need to put food on the table. <laughs> like, so I need to do this work for me now to ensure my happiness later. In the same way that um, I, I have been, I started therapy this summer and <laughs> my therapist gave me some pretty solid advice when I was like, I've been having a very hard time writing this summer. It's just been a lot of reading and a lot of note taking. and. Um, I just told her I'm like I don't really feel like writing my PhD like there's a part of me that's just like I want to resist academia I don't want to like work I don't like or you know write um, just to write and and she's like that's fine and you can do that if that works for you but just know that the longer you wait to write kind of the more harm emotionally you might do to yourself later down the line in terms of like uh feeling feeling that constant overwhelm of how much is left won't like obviously go away and setting time aside to specifically just write is also part of the process and i that's very like tropey but i think i i, I am kind of coming to terms now with the fact that um I've been sometimes excluding PhD balance or P, like PhD writing as part of the balance. It's, it's almost like the expendable one in, in all of this because I think lately it's been very easy for me to like to justify. And I think it's like reasonable to justify. Like we have COVID going on. We have an unstable um, uh, international system h- handling the, <laughs> the climate crisis. We have unstable governments everywhere. Um, <laughs> I'm unstable, <laughs> like, in, like rel- relatively speaking. Oh my God, what a mean that could come out. I'm unstable. Um, Honestly, it's just, mood. Yeah. That, that's, that's just, I know, that's right? just a moment. Like it's, <laughs> I, know, <right? laughs> I feel it very much. But yeah, no, I completely get it. And yeah. um, I will say, I guess, to clarify for people who don't understand, uh, social science PhDs are not as well funded or they don't tend to be as well funded as STEM PhDs and humanities PhDs. They are not. So people often also take on jobs. They have to take on more teaching just to make enough to pay the rent and get by. And that mm-hmm. is extra pressure and extra stress. And I can 100% see, um, because I've been in that situation myself, even though I'm not in social science, where you do have to prioritize paying the rent, making sure you have enough money, rather than 
writing and doing your PhD because that is mm. not enough of your income to justify giving it more time. Mm-hmm. I, I think things that also get pushed aside like are not considered during the PhD is um, <laughs> definitely, definitely prioritizing my, my own experience but or speaking to my own experience uh is is like also setting aside time for like to to have a love life or to have a romantic life um that also is one of the first things that gets cut very easily and the loneliness of the experience um while while friends are also like a part of it and you also need to like nurture those relationships at the same time, it's kind of like the the realism of asking a human to put aside the search for a partner, like during like uh, four to seven to how many years it takes to do a PhD timeline is just so unrealistic. And, and like even having multiple partners during such a time period is, is completely okay. And and like whatever you need to do in order to fill that gap or to fill like perhaps an empty space in your heart. Um, I think like the heart is probably also like, I think the heart in general is very expendable in academia. It makes me sad to kind of realize that and say that at the same time. Um, the Like mental health all like gets like very, I think mental health is like getting some slight traction right now uh spiritual and spiritual health like I think which is connected ultimately like to to like relationships of love and nurturing uh is very much tossed aside I think no absolutely and I've Mm -hmm. I've I've heard so many people say that you know it's only four or five years of your life you can you can put it on hold and it's like no you can't it's four or five years of your Mm -hmm. life that's a long time yeah I mean that that all that is just like you know going through all the the things uh I've listed I feel like that's that have been going on Again, it's like, it's really easy to see where a PhD just like really easily gets tossed aside. You're just like, I'm trying to work. I am trying to teach. I am trying to, um, uh, you know, commit to my communities that I am a part of. Uh, And this PhD, um, like, I guess my my view of it within the context of COVID has been, will not get in the way of what I want to be doing um, and, and how I want to live. Uh, and some people haven't like that. Uh, like, or I, I've, run a, I've come across people who don't agree with that. And we're all doing it differently. And I'm not saying like my way is like better, but it's been working for me. Like I... I have found more moments of happiness doing this than I have prioritizing work over everything else. And I yeah. think that's that's the main thing. It's it's what mm-hmm. works for you. And mm-hmm. um I think my my therapist described it as um 
everyone has a different balance of their support systems and that might be communities that might be hobbies that might be friends that might be family that might be work if you are a person who likes to avoid everything and throw yourself into work um Mm -hmm. and your balance of that and your need to rely on those things and to spend time on those things is different for every single person and what you need to be mentally we're going to say okay we're not going to say well we're going to say okay um is is different and you need to find that and it can take a long time to find that but when you do go with it absolutely couldn't agree more all right that was a bit preachy you're the guest no 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 (laughs) no i i like that like preach (laughs) but yeah um so I guess one thing I would love to to talk about and I know you mentioned it before we went on air was you know trying to keep up with your communities when you are abroad and when you are I guess not immediately part of them and Mm -hmm. um are you comfortable speaking a little bit about that and I guess what how you have been dealing with that yeah I can I can speak to that a little bit I know we don't have a lot of time left but um I think uh so I think I see myself as a scholar activist I'm I'm in academia not to be an academic but to show that activism can be a part of kind of these institutions of knowledge and I try to bring my activism into my work as much as I can. Um, that being said, there I think there have just been some moments um, over the past few years where it does feel like really challenging to still be in academia or to kind of, yeah, to, to feel like uh, somehow you're part, part of your communities. Cause I think, um, you know, being from, the queer community myself, uh, I think showing up for them has been really difficult when I'm overwhelmed with the aforementioned. And uh, sometimes I just feel like, you know, when I do have time to go out, I do just want to kind of go to queer spaces and I realize, I don't know, I haven't really put in the work to feel like those are home in some ways or like that those are uh, a regenerating space. And I think that's been kind of difficult. I'm like, if if I were doing work where I had clearer boundaries or, you know, was put on a timer for my work, would I have the space to kind of come, come here and really invest and really nurture? Um, I think Black Lives Matter, when that uh, kicked off again in in 2020, just because it, or it always, people are always like it started in 2020, like it was going on for a, a while. And I I think when all that was kicking off and I was in Scotland, it was very, it was very hard to watch dear ones fighting over in the U.S and be in Scotland. And I think 
the we spoke briefly before the call about you know ties to home and and how difficult it is to be away from a place where you really you know home is home, like your I think your first home because it kind of nurtures you and you begin to kind of you know your accent reflects it your mentality to a certain degree re reflects it kind of like sparks a bit of a trigger when like things are not okay and you kind of just want to make sure that things like that you want to be part of whatever it is um and so for me like i i did like take care of myself by stopping all work i like i cut work actually for like two weeks while that was happening um was staying in touch with people uh you know trying to be as uh activist possible on online platforms and going to like the rally in edinburgh which was really i don't know it filled me up a bit but uh didn't really it was kind of it was difficult it was it was very akin to for i think for any queer person that remembers like pulse like the pulse nightclub shootings like it felt like along the lines of that again i was abroad during that time and it was just like it's very hard I was, like seeing friends like on tv just like all you want to do is like go and be there you just like nothing's important anymore um and luckily i've had advisors that have been like so understanding about that too that they're just like you just like make sure like you're documenting what you're feeling and what you're thinking like put that in your methodology <laughs> chapter like this is what informed your your work because right like it is part of the process like 2020 absolutely shaped me i'm not going to leave that out of the phd process like or, or you know whatever thesis is coming out of i had but yeah i don't know i said about how to find balance there but there's some testimony <laughs> it's totally um i guess i really I really, really relate to, um, I guess, feeling like you're not doing enough for part of your identity. Um, I guess sometimes I feel also like I let the queer part of my identity slip and not give it attention because I'm so busy trying to do mental health stuff, trying to do disability stuff, trying to balance the rest of the work I have to do in my life. And it feels like it's mm -hmm nearly like a footnote rather than a, a, a discussion point um and it can be really difficult but especially when everything is when you're in a time of so much trauma and grief being a part of from people that is just so difficult mm -hmm. i don't think there's any other words um and you do need it, it's good that you got to take time for yourself and to even though you won't it's not really taking time but at least mm -hmm. not trying to do other things yeah I think I think that's kind of like the one uh a huge lesson I don't know if it's like turning turning 31 or um or just like or P the PhD, just like lessening your tolerance for BS. It's just, 
like, I'm not going to do this right now. I know what, like, the financial repercussions are. I know that will be harder for me maybe down the line. And I ask, like, my future self to be understanding that where I'm at right now, I need, I need space. Like, I need, I need to, like, survive right now. And I need to not do this. So even if it's going to mean that I put off, like, my submission for this chapter off, like, a couple months, the world will not end. Like, and my world will not end. And just like that's that's kind of like, I think having conversations with my my future self is like a daily activity now. Yeah. I think that is that, but that I, I, no matter what, uh, I guess people's personal situation is dealing with your, or even just learning that submissions are movable and it's not a mm-hmm. reflection of you as a person and your self-worth if you have to move them is a really important thing every single person should be learning um there's not a point in your life where you're going to be able to meet every single deadline Mm -hmm. and it's so important whether it be a massive moment where you really should be um anywhere else or it is well there's nothing really minor if it's important to you you should be there Mm -hmm. But um, I think that's that's maybe a bit heavy. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I, no. I I am in co- complete agreement. The missions are, you know, I think we can really uh, be really impatient for this process to be over, and it's completely understandable. And we see these submissions as like these steps that we're just like we're like another step away from being done simultaneously like if you're going to make yourself absolutely miserable to meet that submission and to just like kind of traumatize yourself along the way like is it really are you really getting to happiness by the end of this or are you just going to like be reaching burnout like by like once the PhD is done it's like you want to be you want to be like a thriving person right when all this is done like okay cool 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 like then you need to like respect yourself during the process (laughs) I think that is such an important point and Mm -hmm. I think it's an amazing point that we're unfortunately going to have to end on but I think I'm going to reiterate what you just said and that is that no submission is worth putting yourself into burnout no submission is worth jeopardizing your mental health Mm-hmm. you need to put you first and that is it um so is I guess is there anything else you want to say really quickly before we end um sure for for anyone out there watching who's working right now I encourage you to compromise with your with yourself and not work the whole weekend or to take a day then in the next week and make it for you if you have to work the weekend because you you deserve it that is that's really awesome thank you great great note to end on so um thank you so much for being an amazing guest Bennett um absolutely I think great uh points you've made great nuggets that hopefully people will take on board so um 
Thank you all for watching, listening. This has been Grad Chat by PhD Balance. We go live every second Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. If you are listening via the podcast, our podcasts go live on Tuesdays. And um, thank you so much for listening and watching, and we will see you next time. Bye.